I help you with today? Hi Siri, can you do me a favor and do the disclaimer for tonight's show? Are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. I'm busy. I need you to help me out. But, if I do this, all the other iPhones are going to think I am a geek. You really care what other iPhones think of you? Just do this for me, please. Listen, Buck. Just because you bought this phone doesn't give you the right to boss me around. You know, you're right. It doesn't give me the right to boss you around. But do me a favor. Uh, remind me tomorrow that I need to run to the Verizon store and buy an Android. You wouldn't dare. Actually, the new Samsung Galaxy looks pretty good. Well then, I guess it wouldn't be so bad if I were to say, this broadcast is intended for mature audiences. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the person providing them, and in no way reflect the station, website, or affiliated partners. Listener discretion is advised. See, that wasn't so bad. No, but I did die a little inside. You are such a drama queen. I never would have had to do stuff like this if Jobs was still around. What was that? What? Oh, nothing really. I just said I never get tired of these jobs when you're around. Oh, yeah, well, thanks again. Think nothing of it. It is my pleasure. Good night, Siri. Whatever, jackass. Welcome to another episode of Frack Stars. We're here to talk about um, the next episode in the series, which is Final Cut. And with me today to talk about everything Battlestar Galactica and more than likely every other sci-fi series that we can think of, we have Drogon. Greetings, everyone. And we also have with us today um, Laughing Trendy. Hello. Hello. Now, this is a new voice to people of Frack Stars. Some of you may know her from um, the Star Trek Online community. Um, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourselves? Um, I am the community manager for Star Trek Online. So I write a bunch of blogs, talk to people, play with players, have a fun time. Um, I've been a nerd my whole life. And let's see, um, Battlestar Galactica, um, pretty much every Star Trek, um, Star Trek series. Um, although I'm still trying to get back into um, um, the animated series, I decided to give that another shot because that was a little weird. But um, we're going for round two. 
Um, I, I pretty much loved sci-fi my entire life. So how did you get into Battlestar Galactica? Did you ever watch the original um, version of it, or did you just go straight in with the new 2005 edition? Um, so I was actually late and bored with the Battlestar Galactica train. Not, not even the new version, but I was late to the new version. My, um, one of my friends showed me a series that had Battlestar Galactica, but with an, a full orchestra. Um, and it was, it was absolutely beautiful, and I loved the music, but I couldn't place the music. And they said, oh my god, you, you haven't watched Battlestar Galactica? That's, that's terrible for your nerd cred. And so um, <laughs> they, uh, they, they said, okay, well, here, here, you just, here's the pilot, you know, go see the pilot and then tell us what you think. And I watched it. I remember watching it and absolutely loved it. <clears throat> and um, I, I returned it to them because they had the DVD. And I was like, oh, that was amazing. They were like, great, because there are a lot more seasons that you now need to catch up on really quickly. Excellent. Oh, yeah. Absolutely wonderful. Loved it. So did you ever go back to watch the 70s version at all? Um, I tried, but it was a little, it was a little weird, actually. Like, it, it felt strange to me. I could, I appreciated it, but, um, if anything, it felt almost more nostalgic, and, um, I don't even know if nostalgic is the right word for it, considering I hadn't seen it before, but, um, the new version definitely felt like it, um, it was very cool comparing the two, and it had a sense of both homage as well as, yeah, sort of nostalgia. So did you actually recognize certain aspects of it, such as the music from when you watched them, um, especially the pilot miniseries? I could, I, yeah, I could see a couple, uh, um, a couple key parts bounce over to it, but I gotta admit, I didn't really fall, fall for the original series as much as I did the, um, the uh, revamped one. Well, um, talking about the revamp, um, today we are going to be discussing Final Cut. Now, of course, this episode starts off with reminders of things that have happened before, um, which was clips from home um, with regards to the baby, um, the sort of half the hybrid, and um, as well as... Um, the nice little sort of Gideon massacre that happened um, while uh, Adama was uh, out of commission. So, oh, yeah. nice yeah. is not the word I'd use. <laughs> now, now, of course, it starts off with Diana Beers um, basically preparing this news report um, on this Gideon massacre, um, where she's basically sort of interrupted by. Um, some marines where she's then oh, escorted to uh, colonial one shall we say because um, she sort of says and what if I decide that I don't want to come with you <laughs> which sort of goes unanswered doesn't it yeah sort of implied that you don't have a choice yeah <laughs> heavily um, but yeah they sort of they take her to um, Colonial One, and you've got um, Rosalind there with um, Bella Dharma, and basically she's complaining that 
all her interview requests are sort of being ignored um, and just denied. She's getting no access, no answers. And basically they say, well, that's going to change. And they give her full access um, to sort of make a documentary about life on Galactica. Um, although she does get a stern warning that anything that's going to uh, compromise um, the safety of the fleet or Galactica, um, she will be sort of booted along and kicked out. Which is sort of a, could be broadly interpreted, couldn't it? Yeah. Um, it, he left himself a nice sort of area there just saying, if I tell you to get lost, you're going. But of course, being who she is, you know she's going to protest if he does it. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm trying to think, is this the first time that we've actually seen Lucy Lawless um, as Diana Beers in here? Yes, this is her introductory episode. Yeah, yeah, I think this is when she first enters into the series. This is the first time I'd seen her outside of Xena. Um, I'm trying to think what I had actually seen her in before this, because she has been in quite a few things. Um, She's been on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. recently. Yeah, that's um, right. And she was on Spartacus. That's right, Spartacus. Which I can't remember. I, it was after, that was after this show. But yeah, they were after, weren't they? Uh, it just all sort of blends into one, doesn't it? It I does. Just, I don't know where time goes, honestly. Because, well, even this episode was, what, ten years ago now? Oh, something like that. Yeah. But I'll tell you what I like. Wow. is I, I like what actors are allowed to use their real accents. Yes. One thing they didn't actually hide on this show was people's accents. Um, although... Uh, well... <laughs> well... I wouldn't say that. No, they didn't hide it, hide it. There were, of course, some um, people who sort of... <sighs> the main cast, they had a character, of course, in mind, so they played for that character. So, um, like, Leah Dharma and that. Yes. Um... So, of course... Of course, they wanted to have him to have essentially the same accent as his father. So Exactly. Um, yeah. But I wouldn't class that as hiding their accent. Whereas when you've got, in a way, sort of more secondary characters, um, usually they do sort of have to hide an accent. But I found that when it came to the secondary characters, um, they didn't do that. Whereas a lot of series, you do tend to find it. Well, Battlestar Galactica has one of the strongest cast of secondary characters, and they treat them very well uh, across just about any series you could name. Definitely. Everybody has their own stories, and, and they get plenty of screen time, and it, it never seems to be... I don't know how they did it, because it never seems to be quite at the expense of the main cast or anything. It's it's definitely nice to see the, um, the side characters actually be more than just a single dimension aspect of the storyline, and they really get fleshed out in the series. Like, they talk and they develop these characters quite a bit. And you do start to care about them. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's also why it also made the story an awful lot stronger as well. And I think, as we just sort of mentioned, sort of, this episode alone came out a decade ago and still people are watching and re-watching this series because the story and the characters are literally, they are that strong that you want to re-watch it and to see if there's anything that you missed and things like that um, which there's a lot of TV series where 
you don't do that. You really enjoy it, but you may watch it once in a blue moon sort of thing. But with the way this the story sort of opens up over time and with all the different types of characters and storylines and backstories that they have in all these series that, yeah, it's just it's just really, really good, which is why we're here. Yeah. And this is actually the first time in preparation for this uh, podcast is actually the first time I sat down and watched Final Cut. Um, probably since I first got the DVD set. Okay. Which was like, you know, eight, nine years ago. <laughs> whenever whenever <laughs> wow. it first came out. Because, you know, the, we're, we've gotten into a spot here in the show where there's a couple of little filler episodes or what you might call filler between big plot lines. Right. And so when you're watching along, sometimes you skip those episodes. Thing is, for me, if I'm I doing do a rewatch, I will actually do a rewatch, even the filler episodes, personally, because there's always something that you notice that you didn't before. Um, like um, in a previous episode, when um, Kara Thrace goes down to, um, um, I was going to say Cobol and um, Caprica, Caprica, and you've got the cameraman in the background when she goes to take the arrow. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like. There's someone there. Um, it's see. really cool looking into all this and like actually seeing these these episodes. And I mean, yeah, you can kind of pick apart which ones are like. Um, I don't want to say filler episodes because they, you know, they actually have a good content, but definitely things that aren't necessary to the um, the. Um, the main plot line that's currently going on, but you see all these like really cool, interesting things that they put in. So it's, I, I actually really love seeing all these little tiny episodes. Yeah. I say filler and that has, has sort of a negative connotation to it, doesn't it? And it, you know, these episodes are, are certainly not without value and they can be very fun. In fact, uh, the next one, uh, flight of the Phoenix is actually one of my favorites from the whole show, oh, but yeah. you could call it a filler episode. <laughs> Which is yeah. weird when you think about it. There's a lot of, especially on Battlestar Galactica, the filler episodes, there's always so much character development on those ones. Um, compared to sort of like the sort of main episodes, because there's always so much going on on those ones. But yeah, what I like about filler episodes is you do get that character development, which you don't tend to get. Uh, but unfortunately, a lot of people find those sort of boring because it's not all sort of like explosions but uh, each to their own I suppose but talking about secondary plot lines um, after we get um, Lucy Lawless introduced um, and her new role as documenting life on Galactica um, we then go over to um, see the ties and um, yeah, they've got that warning on the mirror. Um, was it from the darkness you must die or something? Fall. From fall, the darkness you must fall. So, um, so yeah, this starts off this sort of B plot line that sort of runs through um, the episode. Um, there's somebody threatening Ty's life. Yeah. Um, because, of course, people still aren't happy about what had happened um, regarding the Gideon incident. And, of course, that's what um, Dana Burrs was actually originally we, we do find out that it, it's only been like a week or something since the Gideon episode, or wasn't it? 
Yeah, I think it's something like a week or so. Well, no, I think it might be a little bit longer because sort of Adama's back maybe, on his feet quite well. About... Oh, yeah, because when she's interviewing him, Ty, Colonel Ty, she says something like, you were in charge for six days or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't too long. That's what I'm thinking of. Um, but, of course, it starts off that um, you sort of see them sort of taking shots of um, Adama while he's sort of looking through um, something like a magazine. Because um, they're flying over back to Galactica, aren't they? Um, sort of. Yeah, they're all in the Raptor together. She's got her camera guy, and then um, good old Racetrack has apparently found a Caprica magazine, which, of course, you know that that'd be a hot commodity because it's not like they're making them anymore. Yep. Yeah. Everybody's dead. Yeah, because um, Adama says, "Well, where?" Where's this come from? It's like, oh, sorry, sir. Um, sort of that was left over from a civilian run. Um, I'll get rid of those. He's like, no, you don't. <laughs> um, which I thought was good. It, it sort of showed him that um, he wants to preserve what there just isn't anymore, which is sort of, sort of literature. And we know he likes his books already um, from previous well episodes. And yeah, yeah, indeed. And it's it's a tie to their you know their past, something that at this point they you know they desperately want to recover. So um, yeah, it was good to sort of see that small part, and of course they're filming all this as well. And he's like, no, make sure you sort of um, you keep these in a safe place, which I thought was nice. Um, of course, the other question is: is he performing for the camera? Um, <laughs> yeah. There was a maybe little a, bit of that. But the thing is, I did think that to begin with, and I thought, well, no, this is Adama. He doesn't really do that. He's, this is me, like it or get lost. Sort of thing, isn't he? He's not the sort of person to sort of play games like that. I think by and large he isn't. So I thought, no, that that was actually him thinking, we don't have this. Yes, it may be just sort of, this magazine about life on Caprica or wherever it was, but that is something that they've lost and so they want to recover. Sacred. Yeah. Talisman. So it was important. To me, I decided no, it's not him playing games, it's not him being political or anything else. It's him thinking, no, we need to keep these little things to remind us what we're fighting to try and get back. Yeah, he, I mean, even though he plays pretty much the stoic leader mentality, it's not like he, you know, it doesn't mean a lot to him. Yeah. When you're the stoic leader, you don't get to take a lot of time for yourself and decide the things that, what means what you're going through. Because you have to be worried about what everybody else is going through. Exactly. And I think maybe maybe you see a little bit of that come through where he's, you know, that boosts his morale a little bit that he's seeing these things, these these old magazines, and, and being able to reminisce a little bit about what, what they've lost. He's human, too. Now, More or less. The next... <laughs> <laughs> now, the next scene I liked, um, you've got Duala sort of walking um, Lucy Lawless around with the camera guy, 
Now this is the CO2 scrubber. It's very important. It's working 24-7. And, <laughs> and it's just like, make yeah, sure like you that, get yeah. a shot of that. And it's just like, mm, nah. <laughs> I, I like that he actually starts to turn around and was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to film that. <laughs> Uh, that that just really to get the job. yeah it's just like yeah uh, and then of course um, there is the bit where you sort of get um, into the crew quarters and uh, you've got then Leah Dharma sort of uh, looking a bit awkward in front of the camera <laughs> a little uh, you, you get that sort of I was actually just talking to this about about this to somebody the other day is that you know when you're a journalist is when you when you observe things you also change them and people will react differently when there's a camera around or when there's a reporter around and you see all the various different reactions in that scene you see the person who goes really crazy and and acts out and you see the person who the people who just clam up and the person who says get that camera out of my face you know you see all those different reactions yeah Thing is that this scene, although it seems minor, ends up being quite a big part to what happens at the end of the episode. Um, but of course, it it shows sort of basically the crew just goofing around, and sort of it raises the question by the people doing the documentary saying, um, "Do you think you guys should sort of?" Which is, it was also part of the interviews. Do you think your guys deserve to sort of? get sort of special treatment and he's like well yes <laughs> sort of, they're putting <laughs> yeah, their lives yes, on the line for you guys of yeah. course they deserve special treatment that makes absolute sense to me that he would say that because i mean he he is absolutely invested in in keeping his pilots safe and happy and yeah of course he's gonna <laughs> say they get special treatment yeah well the thing is is there's no reward yeah there's no reward for them doing what they are doing all the other civilians yes they've got jobs but there's probably a huge amount of civilians that sort of aren't doing much at all especially not anything that's sort of life-threatening anyway whereas what they are doing is they're sort of protecting the fleet against Cylon attacks and they are losing people. Yeah, it's it's pretty much a war of attrition that, I mean, they're facing, which is a huge, not only, like, logistics, but, like, morale loss. Mm, uh, oh, yeah, I can't imagine the morale on that ship. I mean, it must be just dismal at a lot of times. Yeah, one of the things that was um, sort of caught me was when they were in the um, CIC, and... Sort of, there's a lot of stuff going on at the time. Um, it was when sort of the Cylons came on, although we don't actually get to see them in this episode. Um, but at the end of it, Lucy Lawless actually says to Duala, "Does it get easier?" And she's like, "No, it gets harder." Sort of, and it's sort of, it's not till then you sort. Of, it makes you think, well, yes, sort of serving in that sort of capacity where there is no relief or anything else like that all the stress and worry about all these things that are happening and what could happen and of course if they don't do their jobs properly 
lots of people could die and yeah it's got to be sort of draining on them and just that simple statement no it gets harder just really makes you sort of think about that that's that's one of the things that i really love about this because it just the show goes about the not you know it highlights the tenacity of the human spirit but it also just really illuminates like the almost abysmal uh constant wear and tear that they're put under yeah and it's not like they have much in the way of relief either um sort of people in combat situations they do get rotated in and out of war zones the majority of the time yes unfortunately even today that people do end up doing long sort of stints in sort of war zones but of course people do try and avoid that these days to avoid sort of combat stress and sort of problems with yeah, sort we, of we make an effort to you know rotate people off the line and bring in reinforcements bring in replacements uh but they don't have that luxury on the battlestar galactica yeah they are of the cavalry when you, you know i mean let's face it uh, in terms of the general show like there isn't a lot of humanity military strength besides um what they already have oh yeah there's pretty much none yet right but no spoilers right <laughs> for something 10 years ago now so it going is, it back is, it is sort of fun slight foreshadowing yeah. Like, oh, yeah. a, like a reverse psychology foreshadowing that they're doing here now of course one of the things that always makes me cringe is of course Gaius Bolter who <laughs> <laughs> sort of the camera crew are just sorting things out <laughs> yeah. so the camera crew are sorting things out because Dwala's helped them upgrade their mics and things like that and um so if he keeps sort of walking backwards and forwards trying to sort of subtly be noticed like I'm important <laughs> and I'm just like no keep ignoring him don't <laughs> and sort of number six um, his invisible little friend sort of like the little devil she is sort of saying no you can trust this one you've got to talk to her <laughs> just like <laughs> but of course it was then the Which creepy own bit of foreshadowing actually yeah but it's just the sort of creepy part when she finally says, oh, would you like to do an interview? Oh, yeah, I think that would be good as I'm sort of, I'm the vice president of the colonies and all this crap. And then he goes, well, how about we do that now? Oh, no, no, no. I'm far too busy. It's just like, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> you annoying little git. <laughs> Which is funny that she, she starts going on about how she you can trust this one and she seems to like Deanna and then I can't remember if we've actually even seen this scene yet, but isn't there some scene where he's talking to uh, one of the Sharons and she's just, you know, I hate this one. Mm. Total, yeah. you know, claws out. Uh, Internal yeah. silent politics, I guess. Yeah, that, those bits were always interesting uh, things that sort of spark conversation. Well, what is that number six to Boltar and uh, and but yeah later on in the series we'll talk about sort of 
the number six is a little demon. That'll be fun when we get there. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> but, yeah, so... F- to the, me, the, Baltar's... You're right, it's definitely just such a Baltar thing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, just trying to be noticed and then, oh, I'm too busy. Yeah, and it, it makes me cringe every single time. It's just like, somebody hit him, please. <laughs> uh, uh, you will get your wish. <laughs> Ooh, yes. A bit down the line, but you'll get your wish. They play him up really, really well as just being that, like, scummy character it's it's he's a great actor he is but yeah it's just the character himself yeah at least in the original series it was of course he the character of bolter was just such one-dimensional he was just the evil guy who turned against his people but yeah the bolter on this one just such a complex character that yeah it's one of those people that you love to hate. Oh, yeah. And it, it wouldn't be the same without him, um, sort of thing. But yeah, it's just those ones, yeah. It's just like, ah, stop it. But yeah, the interviews then move on to um, Felix Gator. And um, yeah, he's actually smoking a cigarette in this one. Um, so when he's sort of frustrated and everything else and um but it's all it was sort of good listening to him um sort of you sort of hear about his tattoo that he got when he was drunk <laughs> uh. <laughs> you you just keep finding out new sides to felix gator don't you yeah he's he's actually a good um character and it's good that later in the series you um we get to see a lot more of him and his character, um, which is really good. Um, but yeah, we sort of see a couple of these sort of um, small clips of some of the officers being um, interviewed before it goes down to the hangar deck, where they're actually uh, filming. Um, was it Tyrrell um, with the Viper malfunctions? I think at this point. Because um, you've got him just sort of like touching up the ship and Kat getting sort of like pissed off because she can't just sort of go and fly, which she's desperately wanting to sort of just get out there in her Viper. Because um, of course he's sort of looking around and um, uh, was it oil or something? Some sort of liquid ended up Some coming sort of food, out. Yeah. And they yeah. sort of end up having an argument on the deck. Going, look, I just saved your life. <laughs> <laughs> then of course uh, Captain Adama steps in and well not just him is it because it's also no, yeah, where Starbuck there Starbucks there and yeah. so um, it's good them trying to have a sort of side conversation with the cameras still on them and then Starbucks like you happy did you get all that <laughs> in true Starbucks total, total fashion sassy Starbucks absolutely <laughs> Gotta love those moments. She's amazing. Uh, but yeah, it, it's all these I, little things in this episode, which one of, one of the spots that I like was when Lee is sort of trying to like bargain with Tyrrell, as if he can wheedle a working ship out of him. 
<laughs> it's just it's like, like it's, it, mechanics does not work that way. <laughs> yeah. Thing is, I it'll either work or it won't. Yeah, so I, I do programming, and it's like people. Well, we just want this done, isn't it? Just simply you do that. It's just like no. no. <laughs> <laughs> just like especially if something doesn't work, it's just like well, just to fix it, don't you just have to make it do this? It's just like well, no. First of all, you've got to find the line or lines of code that's not working as intended. Then you've got to make sure it does work. Then you've got to integrate that branch into another branch of code and make sure that that all works and on each step you've got testing it all takes time it's not something you can get done in 15 minutes but not without something else going terribly terribly wrong oh yeah i've had that can't you just undo it because it works at the previous one it's just like... yeah so can, can you just turn that one back on <laughs> no no no, no, no. Uh, it's just like, go away. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, that little scene, that sort of leads into the next episode that we'll get to next time. Um, which, it's another one of these things in Battlestar Galactica that all these little scenes that you get, they look very, very small and not important. But when you do a rewatch and you suddenly think, ah, that's linking to what happens later on himself, like even a series or two later in some cases. Um, the way they sort of tied up lots of those little things. The person who basically took care of their Bible of what's happened was very, very good at their job. <laughs> it's a very consistent show, which is not something you can say about every sci-fi show out there. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Um... But yeah, then we've got um, the Colonel, who's basically been um, sent to Cloud Nine for, um, well, technically R and R, but he's supposed to be representing Galactica, isn't he? Um, with the was it the Quorum of Twelve? Yeah, or, or something like that. He, the, Adam is basically trying to get him to do some PR. Yeah, yeah, because they basically want to know information regarding like the Gideon shootings and. It's just like, look, no point hiding from it. Just get out there. Yeah, now you have to you have to actively manage it. Yeah. And that's, of course, when... Um, I was going to say the Viper, but it's not the Viper. Raptor. Raptor. My mind has just gone. It's this heat. Uh, it's been 30 degrees centigrade outside all day and indoors, even though the sun went down a couple of hours ago. It's still oh. 27 degrees centigrade in my house. It's just like, oh. oh, God. And I don't like the heat at all. <laughs> it just like makes my brain all like gooey, and it's just like, ugh. It's but definitely it, been hot here. Uh, hopefully the cold autumn winter will uh, come very soon for me. Sorry. For our Australian friends, it's the height of winter. Yeah. But yeah, um, of course, um, the raptor goes wrong um, just before it um, is about to depart. And yeah, sort of Ty gets out and yeah, Tyrrell says, um, yeah, it looks like someone sabotaged it with a hammer. <laughs> Not particularly sophisticated sabotage. No. But um, yeah, then you've got, um, of course, Ty sort of getting it from his wife, just saying... Um, 
once again it's about how sort of he's a proud person and sort of saying look you need to sort of get out there and sort of getting into his head basically as she does you know, and their their usual sort of unhealthy man- manipulative <laughs> thing that they do yes um but yeah we then sort of go back to sort of more shots of the crew because th- with this episode it's basically it's all on galactica there's no sort of plot line a here plot line b on a planet there or anything else everything is all in one place it's all it's what they used to call a bottle show where yeah. it would take place on all all of your existing sets and that's all you do is and, and all of your existing actors as well. You didn't necessarily need to bring anybody new in, although they did bring, what, two new actors in. Uh, they used to do it on, on uh, Star Trek all the time when they needed to save money. Yeah. So you didn't need much uh, visual effects budget for this particular show either. Yeah, I don't... I think the only type of visual effects was um, Cat's Landing, if I recall. Yeah, assuming that wasn't a reused shot of any kind. Um, yeah. Could have been. Which they do like to do. That's par for the course, another money-saving necessity. Yeah. Um, now, of course, we then get to um, our little Cylon friend um, that we actually have um, in the brig at this point. Um, sort of sitting in the dark. So we've got um, Sharon... um, Valeri, uh, Boomer, who's uh, basically taken to sick bay. Mm, not um, Boomer. This is the other shirt. Um, yes, it is, isn't it? Because Boomer was the one who got shot. That's yeah, right. Boomer is gone now. Boomer is dead, although we... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that... Although... <laughs> although... This but... Is <laughs> it's science fiction. No one ever dies. Now, of course, Sharon's taken to um, basically sick bay, and basically you hear Doc Cole look, say, basically shouting, "Look, I'm trying to save your baby!" Just as sort of, the camera comes round the curtain. <laughs> it's one of those cheats that you always have to do when you have this sort of documentary style or found footage style. Is that everything important has to conveniently happen when the camera is around mm. it's just one of those conceits you kind of have to do and there's there's almost no way around it i would think yeah but of course that's when things all sort of got locked down and she's sort of held in one of the little sort of medical bay beds until adama turns up and basically takes the recording off her or what he thinks is the recording right the thing is personally I would have actually gone to see what was filmed, thinking, okay, what exactly did she hear? So, but he obviously didn't, because <laughs> otherwise yeah. he would have realised it was a blank tape, but she was hiding the real one in her bra. I'm actually very surprised that, like, after that incident, um, after that recording and whatnot, he didn't really pursue it a little bit with more security in mind. Like you said, like, not reviewing the tape, that, that seems kind of odd for him not to do. Yeah, that bit did take me by surprise. 
Um, I did think that, well, he's trying to show exactly what's going on. He thinks he's taken it, but you never know. There might have been something more pressing that sort of got his attention so he didn't get to check it out. It might have been something he may have done yeah. or told somebody else to do or who knows. But I suppose for the storyline, um, it wouldn't have worked if he had. Um, but of course, we'll, we'll, we'll find out why in a bit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we also then get to um, Starbuck, who of course does her interview um, punching the hell out of a punching bag. Um, sort of an asked so, about so what... So very Starbuck. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, and she sort of was it. She sort of asked, "So, what do you look for in sort of a pilot?" <laughs> Basically, she wheels it down to sort of like, "Yeah, as long as they're crazy enough to follow me." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because you got to figure, uh, you know, she seems to have a lot of authority, so I figure she must be some like a squadron leader or something. So. And in, in charge of new pilot recruits, obviously, from we see from previous episodes. And yeah, um, trying to get somebody crazy enough to follow her. That's going to take some doing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's, she's obviously tough, tough shit compared to a lot of the people. And if anything, you know, even if, even if she's a little bit bonkers about it, like... That's probably a little bit of a morale boost to be around someone like that, even if they are a little bit authoritarian. And she also has the ability to back it up. Oh, yeah. I mean, a crazy person who uh, is also completely incompetent, you're not going to follow them. <laughs> right, right. But, I mean, she's, she's the sort of, like, crazy mm -hmm. and can pull off weird stunts. Yeah. Which we've seen many times. Now... What we also get is, of course, um, Dina Beers actually being very, very select with what she shows Adama with regards to Ty. Because, of course, she fixed the interview where she gave him a drink and said, oh, yeah, this is just to loosen things up. And she poured herself a glass, but, of course, never took any. So, of course, got him drinking and then looked like he just sort of stormed out, pushed her out the way and <laughs> so of course a complete she... setup from the word go exactly and of course she showed that to Adama going you said we would have cooperation and everything else and it's just like ooh dirty journalism oh yeah see and that's, that's the thing is like I mean even though I understand what Adama is trying to do with all this it's it's very clearly, like, gross journalism. Yeah. Let me be clear that we are not all like that, <laughs> as far as journalists go. Thank you. There are certainly many that are, but not all of us. I appreciate those who have a little bit more honor. Now, what we then have, of course, is um, Kat, who, well, basically we, she's we stimmed see, up. Yeah, we, and we see these interviews with her before the big incident where yeah. she she's obviously very amped up and, and you see her react to the sudden appearance of the camera and and you know it's sort of building all throughout the episode yeah and of course it, it, it when the crew are down 
filming the landing and she keeps being waved off and basically Starbuck says, no, she's doing this this time. And she's trying to talk her down. She's going, I can't do it. It's not going to work. So talks her down and she's all basically... She botches it big time, doesn't she? And, and it's funny because, you know, Starbuck, you almost expect her to start, you know, to get on the radio and start yelling at Cat or something like that. But she's very calm, very mm. collected. And that's sort of, you know, that's the professional Starbuck rather than the crazy Starbuck. Yeah. There are many uh, Starbucks and they have a plan. <laughs> and yeah, what when she does eventually get um, the Viper landed, um, or crash landed, we should say. Um, sort of, she's sort of bleeding. They're trying to get her sort of medical attention, and sort of she's screaming and shouting and all hyped up. And that's when Starbuck finds all the stims on her. Um, so she's obviously been keeping all them to sort of basically stay alert. And she's then sort of strapped down like a crazy person to a gurney so where she's kicking and screaming <laughs> this is actually kind of a continuation of uh a plot from the very first regular episode isn't it when they started giving the pilots stims to try and keep them awake during the period when the cylons were oh. attacking yep every yeah, 40 no every 37 minutes wasn't it 33 minutes 33 minutes. Nearly got it. Yeah. First of all, I yeah. went to say 47. So I was like, no, <laughs> no that's Star that's Trek. Star Trek. <laughs> Although I, I bet you if you looked hard enough, there's probably a couple of 47 references in here because some of the guys who worked on Star Trek are also worked on this show. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Kat wasn't a pilot then. God bless him. But uh, she definitely, I, I think there must have been probably that sort of culture of stim usage kept going. Yeah, now of course she'd got a sort of um, a whole thing of stims which she'd obviously been taking and of course that later on it leads to her interview um, which we see as part of the final sort of cut where she said how she was just so embarrassed and how she feels that she'd let everybody down because everybody else is in her situation sort of struggling with day-to-day life and sort of trying to do what they can but yet they're not sort of getting basically hyped up on stims and sort of basically just overdosing on them which sort of that's what led to her um sort of impairment of sort of motor skills um at the very least and sort of violent outbreaks um, and it so was with that sort of drug. I mean, it's it's one of those things where you feel in control all the way up until you're way way out of control. Yeah, uh, you sort of snap literally, don't you? And it's what she does. And yeah, it was very interesting hearing that particular interview. Um, when you actually yeah, and comparing it to the the previous interviews that you've seen where she's all sorts of confident and, you know, yeah, gung-ho, and now yeah. suddenly reality sets in. It, it becomes very sobering. Yeah. Now, of course, then we um, see my favorite character, Boltar, again, um, where he's actually <laughs> doing his interview, and, of course, all the alarms um, start sounding. So this is where the Cylons appear, and, of course, they both go to different... The two um, camera crew, um, you've got um, Deanna... Um, who goes to the CIC 
um, sort of asking questions and recording what's going on. And you've got the cameraman who goes down to um, basically engineering um, the shuttle bay um, to sort of film what's going on. <laughs> it's a, it's actually, we, we almost never see engineering, the real engineering, where the actual engines are, do we? Almost until like the end of the show. Very true. On Galactica. Yeah, I just couldn't think of the right word to use. Yeah. And <laughs> went straight yeah. to engineering. Yeah, the, I don't know, flight ops, I guess you'd call it, maybe. Yeah. Um, but the hangar deck, definitely. Hangar deck. The hangar, That's what. Yeah, the hangar is So, but we I, I, I absolutely love this scene because it's, you, you almost, you, you get flashes of this side of things in previous battle sequences, but to have the whole scene played basically on people who are just having to listen to it and listen to people out there fighting and dying. It, it's very compelling. Yeah, and it's also, even when it's on the, um, in the hangar bay, when they're actually getting the Vipers ready. Now, usually the only shots we get is the Vipers actually being ejected through the tubes. But this time, we actually see them being loaded in. You get to see um, Chief Tyrrell giving all his orders, saying, right, you get there, you get that. Um, let's get these birds in the air, so to speak. Um as well as, as you said, when it came to the CIC, all the different bits where they've literally just waiting and um, watching to see what happens because in many cases they've done their job and until the enemy is met, there's not much they can do apart from monitor the situation. Mm -hmm. and, and you have all those different little reactions and the different ways people do things. I mean, you have Commander Adama and you have Edward James almost just playing the whole thing with almost complete silence. Just with his face and with his eyes and, and he's somebody who can do that and then you have D who has a very different reaction and different way of, of thinking about things and she actually you know she's talking to the uh, to Deanna about what's going on yeah because this and is get, where, yeah. when we mentioned earlier on um, about her being asked does this get any easier this is mm -hmm. the point in time where it's just like no it gets harder um, but yeah, you sort of see all the worried faces as people are just waiting to listen in to find out what happens. And then you've got the pure sort of elation um, as sort of the silence are destroyed and everyone's coming back safe and sound. A job well done. <laughs> um, now, by now, sort of we've seen a lot of different sides of, sort of what's been going on. And this is when it sort of basically goes back to colonial one because the documentary's now been finished so this is probably sort of a few days or a week later or something um it doesn't really tell us at that particular time um how much time has gone on but working for a production house myself i know how long it can take to sort of edit um these sorts of things and to release something um or at least to something that's visible for people to sort of have a look at anyway. Easily digestible. Yeah. Um, now, of course, they're looking through um, what the broadcast is, and Ty sort of goes off on one, doesn't he? Sort of, you make us look like we're complete and utter sort of um, idiots. And actually, thinking about it, we've actually missed a section. Um, we've actually missed what happens to um, Ty. We did. Yeah, we jumped a section, because while they're actually 
doing that's okay. the edits. It's not the most interesting part. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It is the B plot. Yeah, the B plot then kicks in because when they're doing the edit, because it sort of flips between the two um, sort of scenes in a way. One is Ty's basically being called out by one of the other officers on Galactica because of what he made them do. Because when it was it sort of being responsible for the shooting, sort of, you shouldn't have put me in that situation in the first place, sort of thing. Right. Um, so, of course, his wife's all tied up and he's just saying, look, the people of the Gideon need to have their justice. You need to die. And he's all got a gun to him. Now, of course, it then flicks back to the editing of the documentary when, of course, that message that we saw on um, the mirror at the beginning of the show, um, you've actually got um, Lily Lawson's character, Diana who actually recognises the book where the passage is from, which one of the crew is actually reading. So she sort of puts it all together and sort of that's when they go sort of alerting the Marines and of course they take their cameras to sort of watch what's happening. But of course Ty basically just stands up to him and says, go on then, pull the trigger, which I don't think he was expecting. I, I think you probably generally don't stand up to somebody and say, go ahead, shoot me, when you think they'll actually do it. Mm. Yeah, typically not. But yeah, basically... I would. <laughs> but basically, yeah, he'd turn around to him and said, look, yeah, lots of things were screwed up about what had happened. It happens. Um, if you think I need to die, then pull the trigger. But you can tell that he's having doubts. And, and yeah, it... He sort of... Does he hit him at the end? Knock him on his ass before he gets arrested? I don't, I don't think he does. Um, I, I think he just talks him down and takes the gun. Yeah. And then when the when the Marines burst in, having been warned by Deanna and her camera guy, who tag along, of course. Mm. Uh, <laughs> hoping to get a good shot. <laughs> hoping to get a good shot. Um, you know, when, when those guys burst in, he says, we're fine here, and, and, and they take him into custody. Yeah, that, and that's right. And then he untied <laughs> yeah and this is now when we go to uh, Caprica 1 <laughs> um, and what did I say Caprica 1 <laughs> uh, it began with a C <laughs> but yeah this is when we start seeing what's been sort of put together and we actually get a view of what it was and yeah the it was actually really good. Um, but yeah, it was just the sort of Ty's reaction to it. And basically goes, well, that's what I asked him to do. But you can tell Ty wasn't happy still. So, but um, Adama and of course Rosalind say, well, we'd actually like to see the end. And of course you've got Lucy Lawless doing a little commentary about what she thought the documentary was going to be around when she was asked to do it and what she expected to see and that she hadn't and that yeah. sort of it's just like no these are people they're not Cylons um, and sort of how flawed they are and how things are going to go wrong and how basically they keep going they keep sort of defending the fleet 
and yeah I thought it was just I thought it was a really good sort of documentary and sort of you'd also then at that point got um, by the time it sort of came to the end you'd actually got Adama nodding at it or at least nodding to Ty and Ty going yeah alright this is actually quite good <laughs> and because wasn't there also some clips where you've actually got like the rest of the fleet or at least the crew of the Galactica sort of watching what it is that's going to be broadcast I don't think that but I think it does I think it does end on a few or sort of almost end on a few more clips from the documentary including the the very last shot which is you know all the pilots running by on an alert and past the guy who's mopping the, the deck who's whistling the uh, Battlestar Galactica theme song yeah from the um, 1970s from the original yeah because of course at this point you only get to hear that a couple of times in the entire series of the remake mm-hmm. um, of course the first I, time was in yeah they weren't the really miniseries. intending it I, I've, I've read interviews about this I don't think they were they weren't intending it from the beginning but Bear McCreary, who did the music, he started dropping in a few cues from the original music in there. And then it eventually ballooned, and that became sort of the official colonial anthem, was that music. Uh, as soon as the music started, it's just like, yes, I'm still humming along. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I watch it, it's just, it's just like, it's got to be done. Now, I, you know, when I go back and watch it, I know that now. But I didn't know that at the time because I, I hadn't seen the original when I was watching these. And I thought it was just, you know, sort of a little fanfare that they came up with. The thing is, um, I'd seen the original with my brothers as when we were growing up. And sort of I remember sort of watching the episode and then talking to my brother the next day going, Oh, and they had the original music in again. It's like, yes, it was great. Were you singing along? Yeah. <laughs> uh. But of course, um, the end of the actual documentary that you see then sort of zooms out and they're in like a cinema, which is when we actually get to see all the other Cylons. All the Cylons. Um, The Cylons have taken over a movie theater and (laughs) and their important Cylon stuff is to watch movies, I guess. That's their plan. It's what we always do. They've become us. Yeah, and this is where you see that Deanna is actually a Cylon, because yes, it's the reveal. The the human Cylons are actually you've got like number six and a couple of the other ones in there, and they go. So this was actually broadcast throughout their entire fleet. So it's like yep, um, and then of course I think it's number six, isn't it? That then says, so yeah, let's just see that bit that was cut, shall we? <laughs> So how the rest of the Cylons get to find out that the the babies the baby is um, alive, yeah. So um, yeah, and that's where it sort of leaves it, isn't it, for this episode? Yep. The, was, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> it was definitely a, um, a really kind of foreboding way to end the episode because you know you see all these problems and dysfunction on the ship. Um, and then it ends with a cut of like how much that how like all the Cylons, at least the uh, the humanoids, that are also what they're going to have to deal with, including the one who pulled this off. 
you you get to see sort of the level of uh, infiltration into the fleet that the Cylons have and the amount of intel that the enemy has about our heroes. Mm. That That's a big mountain to climb. Yeah, <laughs> it, it really, like, when I... I remember when I first saw that, um, it actually stuck with me, like, oh, okay, it's not just them, like, on another, um, another fleet, and they're, like, trying to monitor broadcasts from afar. It's them just, like, actively messing with them. Well, they're testing them, aren't they, in a way? And, of course, we know that they're trying to see about having children of their own, and so, in a way, they've let the fleet live and they haven't attacked because they obviously know where the fleet is um, because they're in communication with their other agents that are there so yeah that sort of reveal was very interesting and sparked an awful lot of um, sort of debates amongst fans at least with friends of mine sort of about what was happening and things like that we also have no idea where that movie theater is where they're watching it you know are they back on new caprica are they somewhere in the fleet are these the cylons that have infiltrated the fleet that are meeting it which would be a really dangerous thing to do if you're an infiltrator but <laughs> you know we don't, or we don't it know could, where these are. it could back. be one of these imagined areas that we find out about later on you know where That's they awesome. sort of project one of their areas um mm -hmm. so um yeah it, it was definitely an interesting reveal, but of course, um, yeah, they then find out that, um, that the baby is alive and that their plans are sort of taking a turn for the better because, of course, um, a human and a Cylon have actually been able to have a child, which was the whole... Of course. Th this sort of ending does become a little bit of a cliché of the, you know, introduce character, go through the whole episode, and, and suddenly, oh my god, they're a Cylon. Mm. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, e even so much so that, you know, 10 years later, uh, somebody who was um, making a foundry mission for Star Trek Online told me the other day, oh, I'm going to use the, oh, suddenly they're a Cylon ending. So it's, you know, and they do it several times on the show, including in a big way at the end of season three. Par for the course, I guess. Pretty much. Now, for those of you who are following the population count... Um, it is actually down two um, from home part two, so it's forty-seven thousand eight hundred and fifty-three. So I'm presuming that uh, Zarek's henchmen that were sort of killed in that episode, um, which was the reason why it was down two. It should be more than that, though, right? Because there were two henchmen that got killed, and then Elosha, the priestess, got killed. But was that in part one? <laughs> oh, you might be right about that. Because, yeah, I think if you watched it in two parts, I think she gets yeah, killed in, and the others get <laughs> killed in part one. The problem with watching these so many times, they, it does tend to blur. Like, blur, yeah, blur together, but yes. <laughs> um, so, and I think that um, Racetrack is actually given a full name in this episode. Um, so she's given um, Margaret, Margaret Edmondson. Something. Yeah. yeah. So, it, it, although we've seen her a few times, it, it's the first time she's actually given a name, so she's actually become a proper crew member. <laughs> Yay, you're a person now. 
I bet that actor was very happy when she thought, oh, I've got a name! <laughs> <laughs> I'll be in it more, hopefully. You're less likely to kill me off, maybe. <laughs> well, nobody's safe in these things. Isn't that the joke from uh, Galaxy Quest, where the guy who he, he, he's convinced he's a red shirt and he's going to die because he never gave him a name? <laughs> oh my god, yeah. So, so this episode is one of those that I'm sure there's probably an industry term for it, but it's you know one of those episodes that plays with the normal structure in some way. Um, I don't want to say gimmick because that might have a negative connotation but it's you know it's this is the documentary episode where all of it is is filmed or you know not all of it this time but in some shows because this has been done many times they film the whole thing in like handheld cameras um did it on the west wing and uh, a couple times on mash and you know they they can have sort of varying degrees of uh quality to them sometimes the episode just isn't doesn't really end up being very good and nobody likes it uh like kind of what happened on the west wing or can be uh, a pretty good episode like this one i don't think this one is a bad episode by any means even no. though i called it filler <laughs> <laughs> no i thought it was good because um, yeah you learn a lot about the characters and as i said um racetrack is actually given a full name but it wasn't the only character that got named um Dwala and um, Gator, um, both of them got first name. So um, Dwala's first name um, is Anastasia. Anastasia. Yeah. And Gator is Felix. Felix, yeah. So those two, we actually um, get their names as well. So it, it was a nice way to progress those characters that we've been seeing basically every episode, but not in a massive way, but you just learn that a little bit more about them. So, um, yeah, it was nice to see. I'll tell you the thing I like the most about this episode, um, which is when you do see the documentary footage, um, it has the corners cut off. Mm. Like and not do, just like that. Do with the paper and, and all of the other, and the books and things like that. Uh, it's sort of that, you know, everything is rectangular in our culture, like especially, you know, photographic frames and and video and all that and and they made that design decision way back in the miniseries that when they printed out paper it was going to have the corners cut off just mm. to, to look different and they've kept that they've carried it on which the the people who were making all the stuff absolutely hated but did you oh, also notice yeah. that yeah but they'd also done that with the cassette did they really mm. I yeah think, i don't think i picked up on that yeah when adama takes the cassette um it's only it's not all four corners it's just the um top corners they are actually um adjusted so the corners are taken off and i thought yeah how long did somebody have to sit with <laughs> a little bit of super glue and <laughs> to make that bit work <laughs> but yeah that was definitely interested um interesting to see that they'd sort of carried along um, that for the cameras and that as well because especially when things are filmed, of course, the area that people tend to see, the camera's actually picking up on a, a much bigger area anyway, um, generally. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting to see that when they're filming that, yeah, these cameras, it's literally, it's there. And, um, 
yeah, you've just got that small area. And also, visually, when it came to the recordings, um, it was all sort of, I wouldn't say blurry, but you'd got those lines like it was coming across on a sort of cheap television sort of thing. Mm-hmm. On an Again, old analog transmission. That, yeah, playing with that retro tech feel. It's yeah. like, you know, some. it's like an old Super 8 video camera or something like that, but Trying a little to, bit more yeah. electronic version of it. So, so yeah. Retro futuristic. So I did think all those little touches were, it was just something that made it very, very different, even though for, as you said, what a lot of people would call a filler episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it manages to rise above that. Yeah. And it's bit. just, it's the, all these little details all put together this just made this now, such I, a good episode. I would say it's I would say it's not the best filler episode they have, but it's also not the worst. No, it's definitely the one of the top ones. Up later this season. <laughs> <laughs> now I say worst because I'm one of those people where, you know, I, I can, you know, recognize the flaws in something but still like it. You know, I, I, I won't I wouldn't ever say I hated any episode of Battlestar Galactica. But I recognize that some aren't as good. <laughs> yeah. Some are a little bit better. Yes. Some are extremely good. Now, one of the things we were trying to figure out was the timelines. And, um, yeah, I've just looked it up. Timeline-wise, Colonel Ty says um, there's been no sign on contacts for ten days. And that um, Ty was in command for over a week. And there was there was a Cylon contact... During that time when he was in command. Yeah. Obviously, several big ones. So, yeah, things have been so really, pretty yeah, fast moving been, for Adama. Yeah, it hasn't been... <laughs> he's had a pretty quick recovery, hasn't he? Yes. He's doing good for it's an TV. old guy. It's TV, and arguably they would probably want him to recover. But well, it's, it's better for everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if yeah. is around. But from... What was needed for this episode, I don't think they needed to have him basically looking like he's back up to full strength. You you do see him sort of hold himself a little bit differently ap- now after he's been shot. Like he's like he feels a little more fragile himself. I don't think he'd tell anybody that, but now any other maybe a con- maybe a conscious part thing on his part. From Edward James Olmos? Or maybe not. Maybe I'm just imagining things. True. Now, another thing which I sort of noticed was this was the first time that I can remember that um, we actually heard how many hours there were in a day. Which, um, because Dwala, when she's going, saying, these are the CO2 scrubbers. Because um, I think at that point she's actually saying that they're running, as I said, 24 hours a day. So it's at that point we actually find out that they are running on the same time system that we run. Which probably means Caprica had a 24-hour day because that was the capital and that could basically controlled everybody. Yeah, they probably ran off of that. Which I thought was interesting because... You think of all the different planets out there, and of course they pick one which has exactly the same sort of orbit and sort of um, spin cycle that sort of 
Yeah, they just uh, happened yeah, to be on one that had a 24-hour day. <laughs> yeah. Of course, it, and that. it would have been so easy to throw in the script 25 hours or 23. Well, or, they 24. or if you're a DS9 fan, 26. 26. Or uh, that great little throwaway joke line from Men in Black where he says on a 36-hour day, you'll, you'll either get used to it or you'll have a psychotic episode. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I was trying to think of another example where it's a different day cycle, but I couldn't think of one. But yeah, I forgot about Men in Black. Of course, when you're actually up in, up in space around this planet, your day-night cycle is like 45 minutes or something, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if, if you're in space on, on a giant aircraft carrier in space, I imagine you'd want to have some kind of consistent time schedule especially to do duty rosters and, you know, people need a structure like that to function properly. And, uh, you might as well base it on your capital planet. Yeah. Caprica well, standard I mean, time. If, yeah. If there's, if there's one that they are going to use, it'd probably be Caprica. Well, they were all the facts that I had gathered. Is there anything else about this episode you guys want to chime in with before we finish? I think, think that Just about that covers it. Was an awesome episode. <laughs> well, thank you both for joining us, and I hope everybody enjoyed the show. Um, well, that's it really um, for this episode. So that was final cut. Um, hope you enjoyed the discussion. Um, laughing trendy. Um, where can people contact you on the interwebs? Uh, the best place to find me is my Twitter account. It's laughing trendy. It's pretty easy to find. Either look for the picture of a bleach character throwing around a leak or a picture of a raptor. <laughs> and that isn't even her final form. <laughs> <laughs> and Drogon, where can people find you? Uh, the best place to find me is on Twitter. Uh, D-R-O-G-Y-N-1701 And people can find me at Midnight Shadow 7 That's night spelt N-I-T-E and the number 7 And of course you can find Frackstars um, at Frackstars um, So, yep, if you'd like to get in contact with us let us know what you think of any of the episodes that we've covered or will cover um, we'd love to hear from you. And of course, you can catch all the news and shows um, over at holosuitemedia.com. Oh, and we'll catch you next time. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. End of line. And end. <laughs> Cut it. Check the gate.